we will be in Philemon, um, and it is just one chapter, so we'll be able to cover all of it today, which is pretty awesome. And uh, if, if you've looked, um, hopefully you've all at least at some point read and looked at Philemon, and um, it deals with slavery, and so I'm going to start off talking a little bit about slavery so that we understand this book, I think, in the way that God wants us to. In our country, when we start talking, when, when someone mentions slavery, most of us think about slavery as it was in the, in the U.S., where, you know, people were taken against their will and enslaved, and that was the system. If you go back in history and you look at Roman times, slavery was very common, but it was, in, in many respects, very different than what we think of as slavery today. Um, in Roman times, you could become a slave in, in lots of different ways. So, um, slaves were made of conquered countries. So, when the Romans would go in and conquer, they would take some of those people, they would make them slaves, and, and they would be forced to do labor. Um, but there were many people who enslaved themselves. And so, a lot of times, too, when we think of slaves, we think about field workers, right? Out chopping cotton and doing all that kind of stuff. Well, in Roman times, Every job you can think of, someone that did that would be a slave. It's much more what we think about today as the employer-employee relationship, right? And there were people in Roman times who wanted to be enslaved by someone who had money so that they had security and a job and they could do the skill that God gave them to do, whatever it was that they could do. So it wasn't just manual labor. There, there were slaves that did manual labor, that worked the fields, that took care of livestock, that you know, worked in the kitchens. But they also were teachers, lawyers, doctors, accountants. I mean, whatever you can think of, metal workers, there were people who were slaves and they belonged to someone. And, and really a big difference was in Roman times, if you were a slave, you weren't considered a person. And, and really what that means is you are not a Roman citizen, and so you did not have any of the rights afforded a Roman citizen, and you had no choice in anything. Whatever your master said, that's what you did. And just like in all aspects of life, just like now, you can have a job working for a boss who's a great boss, who provides the tools that you need, teaches you what you need to do, has work for you to do, pays you well, and then you can work for a boss who does not treat you well and doesn't pay you well and doesn't get you your paycheck on time. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, when we start talking about all this stuff, really as we go through this book, you know, when we're thinking about slavery, just think about that relationship between people and power that people have over one another. Um, and really some of that too is that when, when we read the Bible, one of the amazing things about God is that his word is never really one-dimensional. And so when, I, when you think about that, think about all the different things that God uses in the Bible to teach us many different things, right? So an, an example of that is um, yesterday was the San Juan Bible Camp summer celebration. And so if you've been to that, part of that is we end the day with... Um, a worship service and counselors and staff get up and, and tell some of the stories about what happened to them at camp. And so if you look at camp, a lot of times when we think about Bible camp, we think about, oh, that's where kids go to learn about Jesus and have a good time at camp. 
And that's true, and that does happen. And the campers learn a lot from that. But from the stories and the testimonies we heard last night, those counselors, the young people that work at camp, that lead the campers, they get every bit as much as the campers, if not more, right? And then if you look at um, camp staff, the permanent staff, and the board, and you talk to them, I talked to several of the board members yesterday about COVID and all the things that went on with that with camp last year, and then all the issues they're having with the lodge, where there's the termite and the mold damage, and all the ways that God is working through these men who are on the camp board and the permanent staff to make sure that camp is viable for the future. And so lots of concepts in the Bible are that way. Marriage is another one, right? So a lot of, you know, if you talk to someone about marriage and they've never really looked at or studied the Bible, they just think about two people getting married, right? But how does God describe our relationship with him and with Jesus? He uses marriage, right? There's the marriage supper of the lamb and all of those things. So you have to think about things in different contexts. So as we're talking about Philemon today and, um, and Onesimus, who's his slave that ends up meeting Paul in Rome, um, think about that. We're not just talking about slavery as in, you know, I captured you, I captured you as a prisoner of war and now you have to plow my fields. Okay, this, there's, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, and so Onesimus um, is the slave in this story, and we're going to pick up um, in verse 8, so we're not going to talk about the very beginning of this, but the pre-part of this story is Philemon is a Christian believer who came to Christ under Paul's teaching, and so Paul knows Philemon pretty well. Philemon heard of Jesus and who Jesus was and accepted Christ as his Savior under the teaching of Paul, so there's that relationship there. And then Philemon was wealthy enough to at least own one slave. Okay, he may have had more, but Onesimus um, was a slave that Philemon owned. Um, and Onesimus wasn't saved. And so he stole money from um, Philemon and he ran away to Rome. And so um, this was very common. So if you think about Rome, it's a huge city, right? It's a huge city today. And it was very easy for slaves who ran away to go to Rome and kind of get lost in the crowd, right? And that, that makes sense. If you wanted to get lost here in America and you didn't want people to find you, do you think it'd be easier if you ran away to New York City or to Dove Creek, <laughs> right? Because I'm telling you, if you're not from here and you show up in Dove Creek, you won't be there very long and everybody's going to know at least who you are and they're going to want to know what you're doing, right? So this is how this story gets started. Um, and so we're going to read verses 8 through 14 in Philemon. Therefore, though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do what is proper, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, since I am such a person as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful both to you and to me. I have sent him back to you in person, that is, sending my very heart, whom I wished to keep with me, so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. But without your consent, I did not want to do anything, so that your goodness would not be in effect by compulsion, but of your own free will. We definitely get the understanding that Paul and Onesimus are close. 
that somehow God arranged Onesimus to meet Paul in Rome, and Onesimus hears Paul's teaching and preaching, and Onesimus becomes saved, right? And what, what happens to us as people when we get saved? Are we the same? We are a new creature. We're, we're a new, we have new life in Christ, right? And we come to that understanding of who we are and that we're a sinner and that Christ died on the cross for our sins, right? And so Onesimus gets saved and he comes to this understanding and now before he's not saved, right? So what's he operating under? The rules of the world. And as a slave, and who knows if, if uh, Philemon treated him poorly or not. It doesn't say what Onesimus did or how he was treated, but he stole money and ran away, right? So now, just like all of us, when we get saved, we look back on our life before we were saved, we realize we did a lot of things that were not okay, didn't we? And it doesn't mean once we're saved we never do bad things again, right? But we learn that if we are disobedient, if we sin, that we need to ask for forgiveness. We need to repent, and then we need to try to make amends um, to whoever. You know, really when we sin, the Bible tells us we always sin against God because we're disobedient to God. But we also need to try to make amends to those here on earth. And that's what Paul is arranging here. He wrote this letter to Philemon so Onesimus could take it back because Onesimus is realizing he needs to make amends for what he did. And so Paul is um, writing this to Philemon to convince Philemon that he should show some grace and give forgiveness to Onesimus. Um, and it's just, it's another thing when you think about God's plan and all of the unusual ways that it works out that, that this slave who ran away happens to run across Paul, gets saved, and Paul actually knows who his master was. And doesn't just know who he is, he was the one who, you know, through, through the providence of God, Paul met Philemon, and Philemon was saved through the preaching of Paul. And so Paul has this connection with Philemon to help this work out. Um, just in, in looking at these verses, it's pretty interesting. Um, you know, Onesimus, it sounds like Onesimus is really helping Paul. Paul wrote this letter while he's a prisoner in Rome. And so people then in prison were allowed to, it's not like prison today. Okay, you couldn't get your degree. They didn't feed you three hot meals a day. You couldn't work out in the weight room. A lot of times it was friends and family of the prisoner who took care of that prisoner. And so your prison stay depended a lot on how well those on the outside had the means and the ability to help take care of you. And so um, Onesimus was doing things for Paul, and Paul found him very useful. So once Onesimus was saved and understood you know, what, he, what God did for him and what he could do for God, he really helped out Paul, right? Because in here it says, um, you know, Paul saying, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment. Okay, so that doesn't mean that, you know, Paul got married in prison and had a baby. I mean, that's not what he meant, right? When we're talking about begotten here, it's that Onesimus is saved and is adopted into the family of God, and Paul's treating him like a son, right? That's that relationship. It's a close relationship. And, and part of what Paul's talking to Philemon, too, here is that how does Paul want this to happen? Does Paul want Philemon to forgive Onesimus because Paul says so? No. And that's exactly the opposite of what Paul wants. So 
So Paul is saying here at the end, you know, he says, you know, but he, Paul, Paul would really like Onesimus to stay and help him out. But Paul realizes, and Onesimus realizes, he needs to go back to Philemon and try to make things right. Okay? And so that's why Paul says in, in verse 14, you know, but without your consent, I did not want to do anything so that your goodness would not be in effect by compulsion, but by your own free will. Paul wants to give Philemon the chance to do the right thing. Um, and so for that to happen, Onesimus has to go back to Philemon. You know, and, and so when we think about these, these types of things and the free will that God gives us and the choices that we can make, you know, think about that in the context of your relationships and, and how you relate to people that you're around um, and, and what we need to do as far as forgiveness for one another. Um, and, and to do that, it's not something that someone can force you to do. That's something that you need to do on your own. You need to have that, uh, that trust and faith in God that when someone has wronged you, that you need to forgive them. Um, and it's, it's important to do. If, if, if that has happened and you refuse to forgive someone and you hold on to that, what, what generally happens to that person who doesn't forgive? They become bitter, and all they do is think about how bad that was that, that, you know, this person, you know, they did this to me, and they, they shouldn't have, and it was so wrong, and it caused me all this hurt. And if all you do is dwell on that, that starts to consume you, and that bitterness, it, it starts to eat you from inside out, and it really changes your attitude. Whereas if, if you can forgive that person and, and move on and really do that in your heart, that will help you also forget that. And then you're not dwelling on that, and you can focus on the things that God wants you to do. So we're going to move on. We're going to read um, verses 15 through 17 and um, see how God wants us to relate to people as a family. For perhaps he was for this reason separated from you for a while, that you would have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. And so Paul's trying to help Philemon understand, because of the change in Onesimus, the relationship that they can now have, right? Because he's saying, Onesimus is going to come back to you, but it's not going to be the same relationship because Onesimus is now a changed person, right? He's saved. Um, he's indwelt with the Holy Spirit, and he now understands who God is just like you understand who God is. And so um, that should improve their relationship, right? And when we deal with Christians, it's, it's easier for us as believers to deal with Christians. So why do you think that is? We have that in common. We have the same understanding of who God is and that God is sovereign and that we as people might make mistakes and, right, and the forgiveness, right? Because we're, we're taught to forgive, right? And that's really what Paul is asking Onesimus to do. Is, is to forgive and to be gracious to... Right, he's asking Philemon to be gracious to Onesimus. 
And so, you know, Onesimus is going to go back. So really, what is, what is Paul asking Onesimus to do? And he's not asking Philemon to free him, right? Because you could, you know, in Roman times, you could, slaves could be freed. Sometimes a benevolent master would just free their slave. Sometimes the slave, through the wages they worked, could earn enough money. If the master was in agreement, you could buy your way out of slavery and be a free person. So there were different ways you could free yourself. But, you know, what, what does Paul ask Onesimus to do? He is asking him to be responsible for his actions, to go and make amends, right? To go ask for forgiveness, admit that he was wrong. But he's asking him to go back to where he was, right? So Onesimus in Rome is working with and for Paul, probably has a lot more freedom, gets to do more of what he wants to do, doesn't have a master who's bearing over him, if you will, right? And we don't know a lot about the relationship between Philemon and Onesimus, but is Paul saying, you go back to Philemon and tell Philemon that, you know, you met Paul, and Paul says, you got to set me free. He doesn't do that, right? Paul tells Onesimus to go back to Philemon, back to the situation that God originally had him in, right? So, I, you know, I think that's one of these key things about this story is that you are in the circumstances you're in. You're where you are because that is where God has placed you, right? Many times, it's not in a comfortable spot. And we feel like, you know, we're under somebody's thumb and we're getting squished. And we don't like that. So we want to leave. But God has a purpose for you to be where you are. So you need to look and see what that is. And I think that's probably what Paul explained to Onesimus is to say, look, this is where you are. However you ended up as a slave to Philemon, this is where God has put you. And if it's in God's will that he free you, well, that will happen. But if it's God's will that you go back to Philemon and you spend the rest of your days on earth as a slave, if that's God's will for you, that's what you need to do. This is where you need to go. And so, you know, we need to remember that when we're going through trials and we're doing difficult things is that we are where God has us, okay? And I'm sure you've been in situations and you've really, really wanted to do something and you've got everything planned out and you've got it all set up and it doesn't happen. And it just crushes you because, and, you even, and it's even something that would be considered good, that the Bible says you should do this. Um, but when those circumstances happen, you just have to trust that God is saying, you know, not now, maybe not ever, but this is not what I want you to do now. Um, and so we need to just be cognizant of that. And that's why it's, it's important for us to be in a right relationship with God, to pray, to follow his leading, to seek the counsel of other believers, and, and to, to watch those things. Because it, it happens, and, and God is sovereign in you know, his will is done, and we try to be in his will, right? But it's not, it's not something super easy like every morning you get up and you get an email from God that says, here's what you're doing today, so you know what his will is, right? That would be, that would be really nice. But it doesn't work that way, does it? And, and sometimes it just seems like things are going just the way you want it, and it's going to work out exactly how you want it. And then it doesn't, Right? And so part of the joy of a believer and having that faith and trust in God is when 
when that door closes, God doesn't call on us to go get a big sledgehammer and beat the door down, right? He doesn't ask us to pick the lock, to take the hinges off. God says, okay, stop and look for the door I'm going to open for you. And hopefully you've had those experiences where you thought for sure you were headed down this path, but God moved you to another path. And after you get on that other path, and you're following God and his will, and you look back and you go, wow. I think I understand what your question is, is that, um, and that there are many things that are at play, right? And none of us here can ultimately perfectly divine God's will, right? That's just beyond our capacity as a human being, even as a saved person. And so, you know, you're where God wants you to be. And I think maybe what Frank is getting at is we do live in a Genesis 3 world, right? Which means there is sin in the world and there's imperfection. And there are things that happen that very well could be beyond your control that put you in a situation that's not good. And, and just like Philemon is going to have the choice to accept Onesimus back, you know, what if Philemon doesn't? Where does that leave Onesimus now, right? So Onesimus is obeying God and goes back. But we as people can make choices that put us in situations that are not God-honoring, right? That put us in a place that's not where you could, you could in one way say, God doesn't want you to be there. Is that what you're asking? Is Yes, and there, there, are, there are situations that happen that are, they are terrible for people. But it, it, it does in some effect come down to the, the fact that it's a Genesis 3 world and there's sin in the world. And, and people can be put into, from, from other people sinning, and it, believers and non-believers can put other people in situations that are terrible and that they, they're going to suffer through. And, and God doesn't necessarily... He, it's not like he said, you have to suffer. Um, in some cases in the Bible, there are. I mean, there are miracles where, um, and I don't remember which gospel it's in, where the man's been blind from birth, and the Pharisees are saying, well, you know, who, who sinned to cause this, him or his parents? And Jesus says, that's not the point here. The point is that this, this man was blind from birth, and I healed him so you could see the power of God. Um, but there, it's, I mean, it's a complicated question. And, We, we are getting a little far afield from what this specific letter is about. Um, and it's what the, the question Frank asked is a hard one to, um, to answer. And what Ricky's talking about is more on point with what the lesson is, which is Onesimus ran from authority, and now that he's a believer and he understands he needs to submit, is that he needs to go back to where God has put him. So... You know, what I was saying is, is Paul's not telling him, hey, go, you know, uh, you should be free, you should go do these other things. He's saying you should go back and submit to the authority that God put you under, and then his will may happen. Um, and I was just trying to get uh, help, I guess, part of what I saw in this story, in this letter, is the will of God and how that works out for God's purposes, where Philemon escapes and he's not saved, but he ends up running into Paul going back but that's really part of this is is it's opportunities for Christians to do what they're supposed to do so one is Paul is preaching like he's supposed to do and he's saving people and Onesimus gets saved 
And now he's telling Onesimus, you need to go back to Philemon because that's where God had you, and that's the authority you should be submitted under. And then if it's in God's will that you're free, you're free. But if not, then you need to go back and do this. But I think a lot of people who aren't Christian, who don't understand God's direction to be under the authority you're placed under, would say, well, if I escaped and I'm free, why would I go back? Right? But as a saved person, we should understand we need to submit to the authority God's put us under, and, and we should go back. And it really comes down to following God's, God's law and God's will and what he wants for us as opposed to doing what the world wants, right? Because the world would tell Onesimus, man, I wouldn't go back. I would just keep doing what you want to do. But God calls us to be obedient and to, to go submit yourself, to follow Paul's direction, to go back to Philemon and, and be back where he was. And, and, and part of understanding the will of God is understanding the word of God, right? And the word of God tells us how, how are we supposed to treat other people. We're supposed to love them like we love ourselves, right? So if you love someone, you would not abuse them in any way, right? Whether that's parent-child relationship, you know, teacher-student, employer-employee, you wouldn't do that. So part of that is understanding, too, if you are in that situation, God hasn't, you're, you're there, and you may be there through, you know, whatever circumstances, but God also wants you to understand what's right and that you don't have to stay in that. And so I hope what, what, what you didn't think was that I said, well, because you're in this abusive relationship, you have to stay there. It's, it's you're there, and God can, you know, hopefully through God and other people and believers, you can understand you don't have to be there and you can change that, right? But, but we are... In, in a sinful world, and there are sinful things that, that happen, and we wish we wouldn't, but, you know, and the Bible does say, I mean, there are sins that go, you know, through several generations, and you can be born into, you know, things that are not right that you may or may not have the ability to escape from here on earth. Um, but that, that leads to um, our, our third part here. We're going to talk about how, you know, God wants his people to be gracious to one another. So we're going to read um, 18 to 22. <clears throat> but if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, <clears throat> I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. Not to mention to you that you owe me to even... Not to mention to you that you owe to me even your own self as well. Yes, brother, let my benefit from you in the Lord refresh my heart in Christ. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you since I know that you will do even more than what I say. At the same time, also prepare me a lodging, for I hope that through your prayers I will be given to you. And so the, the last part of this letter here is, is Paul is talking to Philemon and he's really asking Philemon to forgive Onesimus and to accept him back as his slave. Um, and then what, what is Paul saying as far as the debt that, that Onesimus owes? What is, he, what is he telling Philemon to do? To charge that to Paul, right? Paul's basically saying, whatever money Onesimus stole from you, I will pay you back. So charge that to me, right? And, and what's that really a symbol of? Jesus paying our debt, right? Because it sounds like Onesimus doesn't have any money. He's not going to be able to repay 
what he stole. But Paul says, don't count that against him. Count that against me. I'll take care of that. I just want you to take Onesimus back as your slave and to go forward from there. Pardon me? More as your right, and, and more as a brother. And that's what he was talking about in the prior verses. about He's not just coming back to you as a slave, but he's coming back as a brother in Christ. And I think Paul's hoping that um, Philemon will, now that he knows Onesimus is saved, will treat him in a different way. You know, and hopefully Philemon, as a believer, treated you know, any slaves he owned or other people in a good way to begin with, right? As a believer, we should do that. Um, and I think that's what Paul is trying to encourage Philemon to do. And, and Paul is reminding him of a very important thing that we all have to remember as well, right? Because if, if you pray the Lord's Prayer, what does it say in there about... Um, people that have sinned against us and that people that we sin against. Right, right. To for, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, right? Some versions say, you know, forgive, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors, right? So, um, did God owe us forgiveness for all the sins we've done? No, but he loved us enough. He gave his son to die on the cross to pay for our sins. We need to remember that, and we need to remember when people do things against us, when people sin against us, we need to be able to have that capacity to forgive as we were forgiven. And if you think of all of the things that God has forgiven us through the work of Christ, we need to have, as best we can, that capacity to forgive others. And that's really what, you know, when Paul's saying, you know, not to mention to you that you owe to me even your own self as well, I don't think Paul is saying, well, you got saved because I preached to you, because that would be implying that Paul saved him. Paul didn't. Paul's just is trying to remind Philemon, you're a believer as well. You were forgiven all of your sins by God. You need to be willing to forgive Onesimus. And I think it's just that reminder um, to give people grace and, and to um, keep that in the forefront of our minds. So I wanted to, to finish with um, a, a passage of scripture in Matthew. So it's, I can't read my writing from that far away. It's Matthew 18, starting in verse 21. Right, and, that, and that's really where, where Paul is relying on. And part of that is Paul, Paul knows Philemon. But he's, he's encouraging and he's counting on Philemon you know, he's not saying, I'm ordering you to do this. I'm asking you to do this. Right, yep, by his own free will, exactly. So this is Matthew. Um, we're going to start in Matthew 18, verse 21. And, and this, this is a parable about forgiveness. I'm going to read to the end of the chapter. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven, but up to seventy times seven. For this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself 
before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, and he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. But he was unwilling, and he went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. And so when we look at that story, and it's just, it's just to emphasize how much God has forgiven us and what God's done for us, we need to do that for other people. We need to really take that into account. And, and part of that's what we've been commanded, but part of that is for your own well-being, right? Because we talked about already, if, if you harbor that bitterness, if you hold that inside and you refuse to forgive that will start to affect you, and that will start to affect your relationship with God, and pretty soon you'll be consumed by that. And so forgiveness and grace, it's not just important for us to be able to gain eternal life, it's important for us to function as a body of believers, to be able to get along with one another, because I'm telling you, we're all people, right? And even though we have the best of intentions, we're going to step on toes, and we're going to make people unhappy, and we're going to say something that we don't think is a big deal that's going to really hurt someone. And when we find out those things have happened, we really need to work on repenting from, from that, asking for forgiveness, and working towards not doing that again. Um, so it's, you know, interesting little letter from Paul to Philemon, interesting circumstances, and I think it really does a good job of helping us refocus on being obedient to God, being forgiving and showing grace to other believers, and, and working towards being where God wants us to be. So did anybody have comments or questions as we wrap up?